Hello and welcome to Town Mile Podcast number two, second episode um, that we will be recording. Tonight we are uh, very, very excited, taping this on a Monday night, but very excited to have Mr. Fred Druding joining us. Uh, Fred is somebody that I've had the great privilege to uh, have some amazing boxing conversations with. Um, Fred's been involved in boxing really his whole life, and um, we've been kind of had this in the making now for a few months, but finally able to get him uh, in studio, if we want to call it that, but finally able to sit down with him tonight. So very, very excited um, to have him share his story about really his life in boxing, um, in and out of the ring. He's definitely a very, very involved guy around the Philadelphia, New Jersey area with boxing. So really excited to have him tell Matt and I his story and uh, definitely going to have some some great questions for him. Um, so definitely ready to get this rolling. So let's do it. Here's our friends, the Beastie Boys. All right. song so all right so welcome to um Tom Mile podcast number two i'm very very excited to have fred druding jr joining us um joining us this evening um like i said he's been involved in boxing for a long time i, I think i'd like to preface it when i lived in dusseldorf there was a guy that i just got to know this this welsh guy um i don't even remember what his name was but <clears throat> i'd go to the fatty's irish pub and um like my, my favorite place to go in, in Dusseldorf. And this guy, I just got to talk to one night, was like a, a great boxing guy. He had been to all these fights. I was just blown away by like all the details and stuff he knew about boxing. And and then I moved out of Dusseldorf and moved to Philly. And, you know, Freddie, when you and I would talk, you'd kind of remind me of that guy. So, Fred, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks Pleasure for, to be here. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I, I think you've got a, a great boxing story to tell us. So we're really excited Excited to have you. I think that's something, you know, even starting, I think I think I first had an idea to do a podcast and talk to you about it. I kind of had to figure out what the hell I was doing first. So kudos to, to Matt here for kind of being the one to, to have the kind of want to push it and, and record one of these. So, so Fred, I mean, we can just get right down to it. I think how did, how did boxing become a thing for you? Maybe like how old were you? How did you get involved? Like what happened that you got, got started in boxing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, in the very beginning, had um, no intentions ever uh, be a boxer um, uh, myself. Uh, although I enjoyed the sport as a kid, um, I just kind of was um, actually uh, the OM Athletic Association that's still here uh, in South Philadelphia. Um, although they no longer have a boxing program, it's still an uh, athletic association where a lot of uh, kids from the neighborhood um, they run different sports programs and sports leagues, and you know, just all great place to get kids off the street, keep them out of trouble. Sure. Uh, so that, that's pretty much uh, where I started, and it was uh, nothing more than kind of um, uh, after school activity, so to speak, very casual. I liked it. Um, just started doing it for fun, and then um, you know, as time went on, uh, got a little bit more serious. Uh, where I got to the point, um, this I was um, 13, 14, so it was like eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, you know, very young, uh, but got to a point where uh, I got good enough um, that some of the real boxers per se would start using me as sparring partners. Uh, so, okay. uh, so that I mean that that's pretty much it. It was just um, you know I got good enough like wasn't a fighter myself, but I was good enough uh, that I could actually spar with these guys. They need sparring partners to get ready for their fights, and uh, little by little, you know when you. Uh, constantly keep boxing people that are you know better than you eventually right. you start to catch up so to speak <laughs> yeah. uh, and awesome. it, it, it just uh, got to the point where all these uh, different uh, boxers that I was sparring with you know it was great and I was you know certainly happy for them but it's like man uh, he's in the paper the next day winning the golden gloves right. and I'm like man I sparred him every day it was very competitive <laughs> to get, get him ready and uh, so I just uh, you know I told the coach I said uh, you know I'd like to try it myself and he said 
okay, we see it, you know, then, then we'll do it. He said, we know you're ready. Uh, you know, we don't want to push anybody. And um, I guess the rest is history, so to speak. Just started. That was um, pretty much the beginning of an amateur career. And then um, I pursued, I competed on every level, um, amateur, uh, collegiate at a Lock Haven University, uh, and then also eventually professional. So you were, a, you were a freshman in high school when you kind of had that yeah, realization, like, hey, I kind of want to do this. Yeah, right around, yeah, it probably start, yeah, 13, 14, yeah, 8th to okay. ninth grade, right around that, that area. Do, yeah, you, so. do you have a nickname? Um, I Not at that time, I didn't, but um, I, my nickname did not actually come to my uh, professional career. Um, and the reason uh, where we came, obviously the nicknames aren't as big in the amateur. Some people yeah, yeah. do have them, but it's not, uh, you know, it seems more of a, a professional thing when you start to get into the business side and you're promoting and marketing and things like that. And I still didn't have one at the time, but in uh, my professional boxing debut, I had, uh, won the fight by knockout with a left hand, with a left hook. Nice. Um, wow. And then my second uh, fight, I, wound up, I knocked the guy off a right hand. So... Um, my uh, trainer at the time, and uh, also my manager, um, Carmen Scorduzio, uh, he basically had said, "You can finish somebody with any, you know, any hand. You proved that now. This is your second pro fight. You got a guy. You finished the first guy with a left hook. The second guy, you know, with a, a right hand. You can finish a guy with any, uh, you know, any any hand." Uh, so from that point, I became known as Fred the Finisher Druden. Nice. <laughs> that's an awesome nickname. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah. that, that's just where it was. You know, that's hey, great. we can finish you with either hand. That's great. So, what weight class were you? Uh, well, I com competed uh, uh, as low as, uh, like I said, when uh, probably 14 years old uh, to flyweight, which is 112. Okay. Um, then, through the natural pro uh, possession over the years, uh, up to 119, which is flyweight, um, 126, which is featherweight, and then eventually 132, which is lightweight. So, I've been in four different weight classes. Okay. So I mean, so you had your first two pro fights. Like, what what did you have to do to get the first pro fight? I mean, I know you mentioned kind of sparring when you started off younger. You probably gained some confidence, but what do you have to win to to uh, well, get a pro I fight? Mean, there's, I don't think there's any. Um I mean, there's nothing you have to do on paper. It's not like sure. a criteria where you have to say, hey, you know, I did this, did this, and, you know, I can do it. Uh, like anything anything uh, in life, you know, you want to build your resume uh, to improve. So uh, by the time I uh, had decided to turn professional, at that point I had um, between my uh, collegiate fights and my amateur fights about 30 bouts. Uh, wow. So, you know, it was um, it's definitely something I just didn't, you know, jump into. Right. Um, so, you know, like I said, there's no criteria per se, but I would say um, the more experience it better just like anything in life um you know there's amateurs guys like uh oscar de la hoya you know people who go on to become superstars they had their first amateur fights at like six years old and, and you know and, and, and go on and have like by the time they you know turn pro and they're like maybe late teen you know 19 20 21 whatever whatever 22 whatever it is you know they, it's not unusual for somebody on that level to have about like 300 amateur fights Wow. Yeah. And like I said, uh, most of the, like I know Oscar started at six. There's a number that, yeah, like literally. <laughs> so what's weight class? I mean, what does he fight when he's six years old? Other six-year-olds? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just pulled no, up, like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a lot of, you know, they're, they're, they're sanctioned bouts. I believe now um, USA Boxing has changed the requirements. I believe you have to be eight now. Um, years ago, I know it was six. Uh, now I believe it's uh, eight years old. So they uh, pushed it up. But yeah, just whoever, somebody, uh, another kid that's, you know, right in around that age, around the same weight class and uh you know a lot of the uh, i think a lot of the young kids that start fighting like that a lot of them are um you know their dads are training yeah. um so they just kind of they go to the gym to play and after a while they don't write, like they're playing and it's fun but they're actually becoming good boxers right. just you know watching and just you know they're just imitating somebody yeah but they're actually learning you know so yeah so that's yeah there's a lot a lot of kids bouts um one of the the uh, lowest um about it's actually the junior olympics uh okay. so they're all just young kids young kids and it's a you know prestigious tournament that uh, competes just like uh, the regular amateurs where you you start um, on a local level, uh, then you got to more of a regional level, then uh, you know a national level, and That's just awesome. a tournament that keeps building and building and building. So you had, I mean, so then somebody has to see like a promoter. Or how do you get to have maybe like your first couple pro fights? Somebody has to like a promoter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there, you know, you have to. You can't just show up and say, you know, I'm fighting. You know, you yeah. have to like. Um, first of all, a promoter has to be doing a show. Um, you know. 
depending on what level it is, it's, it's usually um, better to have like a, a, a managerial type kind of go in and, and set up the finance now that there's money involved. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like in the amateurs where you're, you're, you're competing for a trophy, you're actually signing a contract, you're legally bound to something. Um, so usually just have, um, it's usually in your best interest to have somebody represent you, um, get the fight done. And then, you know, hopefully it's a win-win for everybody. The promoter obviously uh, is in the business to make money, so he gets a good fighter on the show. People come to the seats. You as a fighter want to progress. You, in order to progress, you have to uh, get on a show to yeah. prove you can win. So it's kind of like a, a balancing act of everybody. Um, if it goes right, everybody uh, it works out for everybody on different levels. Wow. That's awesome. So. So so it's not it's not like so when I when I think of this it's not like it's not like Rocky right right now Paul Creed's like sitting in that room and he's got that book right and he's like looking through the book at all these guys names it's not like I want to fight Freddy the finisher drooding it's not like that right it's a little bit more yeah, no, in depth right they, 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 uh, definitely more involved in that uh, like I said we we uh, every boxer loves the uh, Rocky story uh, but obviously it's uh, that's a, uh, a fictional character because <laughs> yeah. I, I had that on my list for later to ask you about but uh, now we kind of know <laughs> I, I didn't think it would be like that I'm obviously that's a movie but you know yeah when, to well, someone who boxes bring that back up when you get okay. to the Rocky because I have a, a good uh, Rocky statue story that relates to um, a, a great um, boxer here in Philadelphia that we actually got a statue uh, made after perfect because I wanted to ask yeah. you a question later too yeah. okay. yeah. so then so you've had I mean so you had two knockouts your first so how you so who was the third guy you went in the fight I mean was your confidence uh, I mean, you know, I think uh, whether it was an amateur, you're always going to be nervous. I mean, it's one of yeah. the hardest sports out there. Uh, um, you know, and even, like I said, we just mentioned Oscar De La Hoya. Don't let anybody fool you. Guys like Mike Tyson, you know, they were nervous too when they, yeah. when they get in the ring, no matter what level, you know, no matter what level you are. So, you know, you're always nervous. And, um, you know, I was just kind of looking. Uh, that was my third fight, I actually went the uh, distance. So it was my first time, um, you know, going the full rounds, which um, I think is actually a better thing too. And I think you learn and progress a lot more um, that way. Although, you know, obviously the knockout's exciting. Everybody, you know, gets excited. It's happy. The fight's over quickly, you know. Uh, but then again, I've seen this story over and over where a fighter, they would be building them, building them, building them, just getting them, uh, you know, the right opponents. Um, you know, not this one out, not this one out, not this one out. To get himself in the position where he, now he is for a big payday because he looks impressive, 20 and 0, 20 knockouts. And then for the first time he fights somebody that's on the level of him and he gets like blown out, you know, because he just doesn't, he didn't have the experience and really uh, progress. And, you know, you need the rounds, um, just like you need experience. So, you know, it was a good, um, you know, like anything, you know, after knocking the first two guys out, like, ah, oh, you know, went the distance but still won. But I thought it was um, better to, um, better for my career to actually get some rounds in sure mm -hmm. that's awesome so your first did you lose that fight the third fight I won. That no, was a decision. So yep. you had five pro fights. What was your, well, what was your I, record? No, I had um, four pro fights. Okay. Um, three and one. I had only lost my last one, which actually ended my career due to an injury uh, at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Uh, wow. Yeah. Nope. Uh, hey, yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, pretty incredible. That's why we want to do a podcast <laughs> yeah. with Freddie. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So to talk about that, like who, what was the, like who was on that card? What was that like? Uh, it, it was not, I mean, it was a, a nice sized card, but just the, the bigger thing, it was just being in that building, uh, thinking of all the great legends in, in, in Philadelphia that have fought in that building, um, you know, over the years. And just to say, you know, like I said, I, I didn't, it was uh, due to an injury uh, that I lost about, which is pretty much where my uh, pro career had ended. So in reality, you say, oh, it's like one of the most saddest days in my career. But at the same time, it was no matter what happens, I can say I fought at some of the places of the all-time greats of Philadelphia, yeah, you know. So you kind of joined that exclusive yeah. club. So it was, uh, you know, um, you know, I guess it was a bittersweet night. But, yeah, I'll never, never forget it. What, uh, what weight class did you fight in that night? Uh, that night I was fighting it out actually featherweight. Featherweight, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually did um, – I ended my um, – college boxing at 132 uh, which is lightweight and when I turned pro I actually moved back down mm -hmm. uh, usually it's the other way you're constantly uh, uh, going up uh, the only reason why the only, when you're fighting on a college team it's more it's literally that it's like a team uh, so each guy gets a different weight class so I was like in between where I probably should have fought at 126 but I could still fight at 132 uh, so the only way we were going to um, the only way to figure out how we would um, 
who would get the slot. I was more interested in the lighter slot because I thought it was better for me. Uh, but basically, me and one of my teammates would actually had a, a physical like uh, um, bout, and then the winner would get that. And when you're boxing in college, you know you're traveling together, you're staying in the same hotels, and uh, you know you're a team. I've seen guys in, in in different gyms fight each other all the time. It's just a business, you know. Yeah. One guy trains in, in daytime, one guy trains at night. You know, yeah. it just happens, and it's it's like bragging rights. But for the uh, sake of uh, harmony. Um, uh, for the team, you know, I figured it, I I was close enough. I could still go up to, so it was um, I basically a volunteer in in at Fort in one thirty two in college. Uh, but like I said, I, I could still make twenty six. And then when you're going to the next level of fighting pro, uh, professional, I, I was going to be trained so hard that uh, yeah, it, I would even if I wanted to fight at one thirty two, I probably couldn't because I was training like an, a madman. What happened? That uh, what injury? Did you? Uh, what happened when you were in, in Spectrum that night? Uh, I two one was actually um, my I, it was back to back actually um, one was a recurrent one okay. uh, which was part of my rotator cuff but the other thing was basically a fractured hand so oh, um, it, it was just a bad scenario when your 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 arms not working and you have a fractured hand so. So yeah. did it, you could you knew it was broken when it happened? I knew it right away. Yeah, and I, I still uh, I kept trying uh, as best as I could. But you know you're in a professional battle fighting another professional fighter, and at that point, um, you know I just really couldn't keep uh, the opponent off of me. Um, you know I was trying, but uh, so eventually the ref has stopped it because um, I was basically uh, taking too too much unnecessary punishment because I was basically fighting with one hand against against a professional level guy. So yep, you know that, that's who pretty was much the it. guy who fought? Do you remember? What was his name? Uh, Hip Bowie, I do. Yeah. Hip Bowie. B- Bowie. Bowie. Yeah. Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. If I if if I remember correctly, yeah. So how many rounds? Like, I, I get what. How does that work then? You, you break your hand and then you just. It's more of a probably personal battle. Like, how long can I do this? Yeah, I mean, because you're not going to tell a ref, hey, yeah, I broke my hand. I mean, pretty <laughs> much at that point, you know, you you try to fake it, uh, you know, as best as you can. But there's certain things you just can't, you know. You can try to fake, but your your way your face is grimacing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. So it's um, you know, I I tried to fake it just to almost fool my opponent, but it, you know, obviously um, even people that didn't know what happened afterwards that knew right away that I wasn't myself when they sure. were from the outside looking in. Sure, they knew something so, that something yeah. was wrong. Um, I mean, like I was saying, or like sorry for this is like a low level question, but we have to ask like as a bot like. Is it the best feeling as a fighter to just when you connect on somebody and knock them out? You know, I, I would definitely say obviously there's the there's no doubt there's an adrenaline wash, but um, I know if I've always um, once the fight's over and you're victorious and I, and I made sure you know uh, the opponent is okay and right. everything's good, then I then I, I I don't mind celebrating. But sometimes you know you don't know. Right. Uh, what happens? Could somebody be seriously injured? It could have just easily been you. Uh, then, like, you have family uh, in the audience yeah. watching. So, uh, you know, as, as excited as you are, try not to, like, gloat, so to speak, until it's you really know, okay, it's a win, just like any sports you celebrate. But, you know, there's no um, permanent injury. Uh, right. The opponent is okay. You know, he's on his feet. His, his, his eyes are clear and things like that. Because I suppose it's one of those things where you understand – the preparate what you had to do to yeah. get to that point to be yeah. in that ring. Yeah. You know he probably had to doing the same thing. Doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you know it's funny uh, is as, as grown as a sport it is the amount of boxers that are have become so much personal friends in in real life after the bout. Sure. And just exactly what you just said because the sacrifice is one of the hardest sports out there. You have so much respect for the person. You're you know you're trying to win just like they are, uh, but you know you. You know what you went through, so they went through the same thing. And uh, you know, when you win, it could have just been easily the other way around. Right, you yeah. know, that's yeah. that's the one thing about boxing. It's just like that. You almost get lucky in a sense to to win fights sometimes. Well, you know, there's a saying that luck has nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when they say that you can land a lucky shot, but uh, I always believe, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, the preparations and the amount. You know, of course, like anybody, you know, you can be just happen to land that one shot, but usually you can see who anybody gets to a certain level is preparing hard, but then that you can usually see the person that gets to win. Uh, and doesn't get the one who went to the next step. So, like sure. I said, it's really that hard work and preparation beforehand. Right. That so so say you so you had that fight at the Spectrum. Like, how long ago? How far in advanced was was that planned? Like when you signed it, 
how, how, like what's that what's that like from the time you sign it to the time the fight happens yeah I mean there's not like a set um, I know you will talk about some marathon running later usually where there's not like that standard like 16 weeks before mm-hmm. it's just um you know, it's just obviously the promoter has to have the show. He's trying to get the fight together. Um, I never would never recommend, and this is for the fighter who being in shape. I usually say a good six week training camp is always good to uh, prepare you at least six weeks. That's usually a good time frame, and that's not staying like you were out of the gym for you know when you're like standard just uh, in shape. A good hard six week training program. As I would say most um, professionals would say that's a good average training camp. And so, that's like non nonstop six weeks. So you're you're uh, you're in relatively good shape before that, right? And then yeah, you I turn it up for that six weeks. Yeah, I mean then. when that's the, the same. You know, boxers, I would say for the most part, because it's kind of a lifestyle. You know, it's not just it's it's a lot different than a lot of sports where you have an on season off season because yeah. it's so rigorous. It's kind of a lifestyle, but obviously you can't train like a, a you know a full time boxer every for the whole entire year. You know, your your body won't physically be able to take it. So yeah, usually just kind of always stay in shape and in a good six weeks before it. And and the term is, you know, you, you go to training camp. Some people actually really do go to training camp. They, um, if they're in a position where you know they're making that kind of money for about, you know, a lot of times it's um, they'll take them out of town, get them in a different city, and you're in training camp. You're away from your family, your friends, and you're just that's it. Six weeks, yeah. nothing but boxing. Because I can remember, I think I was telling you when who was the the kid that was undefeated from Philly? He was. I don't know if he's a light like a. Not Swift. Was there a Swift? Uh, Danny Swift Garcia. Danny Swift. I, Garcia. When I, had, I had a flight. Uh, Garcia. Yeah, Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia. I remember I, I was on a flight to Vegas from Philly, and he. I, I didn't know who he was, but I saw him get on. He was on the same flight mm. that I was sitting first class. I remember his whole kind of crew walking onto the plane <laughs> and just seeing him sit. Like, there was something going on. I was like, I don't know who this is. He, he must be a boxer or something. And yeah. just, I just said never, I'll never forget that, seeing that guy walk on the flight and just sit down and just the confidence and just, he was ready. I, I don't know. I can't really explain yeah, it. Yeah, he had a, a nice career. was a very uh, a great for Phil. He's still um, uh, not retired. He's taking a little break at this point, but he uh, he started as a, as a young kid out of Harrogate Boxing Club. Like a you know, as an amateur, worked his way up and went all the way to become champion of the world. So wow. it's a good, uh, good incredible. successor. He's one of the one of the guys that made it. Wow. So that's and uh, he's a class act as well. So you knew, so you, you you get hurt that last fight. You knew that you were done, like it just because you yeah. Didn't- and that was at that point. It was already my. I had already a lot of times. Um, uh, the rotator cuff is so bad. It was actually at this point I'd already beat the odds once because I'd actually tore a number of years before that. Um, and was able to bounce back. So I was already like ahead of the game, so to speak. So it was, um, yeah, that was just pretty much it. So, wow. But, you know, like I said, I wouldn't uh, do it any other way. You know, I had a great experience doing it and um, would have liked to go on maybe farther, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. So you do you remember how many total fights you had when you that you've ever had? I guess, in yeah, in, in, in only I hit about 30. About 30? 30, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there, which one stands out as maybe outside of the spectrum one? Was there a win that you had that was most memorable or, or just a fight, maybe not even a win? Yeah, well, I guess obviously your first one because that's, uh, you know, you're, you know, like anything in life, you're the first time you experience something that's uh, always uh, monumental. Um, I won the Philadelphia Golden Globes Championship. Uh, so that I just... Um, because of the prestige of, of the Golden Gloves, that's yeah. all any kid thinks about. Like you know, when you when you eventually become a boxer, although there's uh, there's definitely uh, tournaments that are that are larger than that. But nobody has the you know everybody wants to be Golden Gloves champion because yeah. you know every people who don't even know boxing they know that oh your Golden Gloves that means something. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely the um, Philadelphia Golden Gloves. Um, I went on uh, to become the uh, Mid-Atlantic champion, uh, which is pretty much the Mid-Atlantic region sure. here. So, so that was uh, after progressing from a, a local Philadelphia tournament. Uh, so that was that was definitely a big one. And I guess um, in college, I was the uh, Northeastern Regional Champion. So, so that was huge. Um, and that title gave me... Um, it's it's not actually a tournament win, but it put me on the All American team, so I was named the All American uh, boxing team. So that was that was uh, definitely a highlight as well. These these uh, these like tournaments and stuff were some of them held in the city or were they kind of like 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 you know like smaller clubs in the city or were they? That's pretty much for, for the most part where they all started. It's uh, you know like the, everything starts local. Um, you know the goal depending on how the tournament bracket is set up. It's usually. 
if you win the city championship, uh, depending on how you can go out into the state championship, then it may be a regional championship for those states and then eventually to the national championship. So, yeah, it just, I mean, when I say that it starts like local, most of them, the preliminary rounds, um, even the guys that, you know, go on and become famous, they all had to start there too, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a local gym. They get sanctioned by USA Boxing. They, have, they put on a show, and then that's where it goes. Is there, is there, like, one, like, gym in the city that's, like, you know, you win there. It's, like, you know, you're, you're legit. You're going to kind of move on somewhere else for bigger fights, or are they all kind of, like, the same? Well, you know what? In, in some cities, that probably is the case, but uh, we're lucky with Philadelphia being one of the bots and kind of capitals of the world. It, you can't really uh, – pick one gym over the other because we, we're just no I mean fighters from all over the country uh, will fly here to come to Philadelphia just to get ready because um, th- there's a saying if you can get ready in a Philly gym you're ready for any bout so there's wow, a number of them great. yeah I mean there's a number of, uh, there's I mean we, we're, we're blessed in the fact we have a, a lot of loaded uh, top notch uh, gyms um, as far as when they win right now it just depends on um, who to sanction and uh, uh, body so to speak decides this is where the tournament's going to be at um, for Street gym seems to get a lot of them, and that's but you know, it's it, it fades over time. Sure. Uh, you know, um, when I was boxing, it was uh, at the time it was the uh, upper Derby boxing club was behind the uh, firehouse, you know, yeah. uh, actually, was on, like on top of a firehouse, <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, that's how like local it is. Uh, the front street gym is on top of a beer distributor, so I mean, it's as local <laughs> as you get, no, uh, but national level people, uh, uh Olympians, U.S. Olympians, uh, uh, actually start there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think to just hear you talk about it in in kind of what it really takes. It just makes me realize, like, it's okay. Like, number one, it's no joke. Like, if you want to do this and put in the time to do it, like, it, it is, it's it's like such a focus and such a discipline that I mean, I, I can't even kind of wrap my mind around it. Oh, I mean, yeah. just to, to get it. I think the other thing too is like the respect. I think for mm-hmm. me, you know, thinking, oh, he's want to hear about him knocking somebody out, but you understand what somebody else went through and kind of seeing you know the family side of it like seeing somebody you know so that that's kind of a whole, totally different perspective i've never really thought of before no i agree and like i said the, the biggest thing i always say with, with a sport like boxing there's no off season you know it's yeah. you know it's not like you you know you play so many weeks and then you know then it's over then you come back you know you get back you know no it's a it, it, it's a lifestyle because it's a very uh, hard and demanding sport and if you're going to be successful you know you have to live it not just yeah. play it so to speak sure so let's talk about that maybe you know because there's not an off season like the way there maybe is in the basketball or football like like what's how do you feel after like what was the most rounds you've had in a, in a fight like that went the distance uh well yeah in, in in a fight like i said because of my professional career had uh, ended relatively early i was still four rounders and that's okay. the preliminary stage of boxing but i, I did go to distance so yeah four rounds so how do you feel, what does it feel like after that when you get up the next morning i mean uh, well, you know, I guess that depends on how many shots you took uh, <laughs> in the bout. Uh, obviously, you can feel better uh, uh, some days than, than you would, depending on the you know the amount of uh, uh, blows that you took. But yeah, no, I mean, no matter what, it's a hard sport, it's a contact sport. You're, you're going to be sore the next day, yeah. uh, and not just from um, you know landing shots, the physical. Uh, the muscles and, and your body you're going just from throwing shots you know yeah. because it's so intense it's you know way more than when you even though you've done it so many times at this point train it's just that next level where you're everything you got you're throwing in every shot so yeah. you know you're sort of just from that let alone taking some uh some uh blows from your opponent wow that's amazing man i mean i just like i said i think that that's good stuff for sure so what i mean a, a per, so you know the purse before, when you sign when you like when you sit yeah. down is it different like okay if you win you get this if you lose you get that or is it no both? no I mean it's very there's a, a you know a great scenario that a loser can get more than a winner um, you know that's all negotiated with your uh, beforehand so if you have a good manager you can negotiate a good deal you may lose the fight, but you know, depending on what the other manager, you know. So no, sure. there's no. It's not like the uh, the winner gets more uh, than loser. That's all preset beforehand. It's a, a legally bound contract. Um, you know, you work it out. Now, of course, the more you win, uh, you're in higher demand, like anything. So you you start getting negotiating power. So more than likely, the more to win, you're getting more than somebody. But in, in theory, it, it doesn't have to be that, right? If I have the best manager ever, and uh, you know, never want to fight, but I keep getting these great paydays, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I know there's a, a general belief people that uh, they always feel like oh the, the winner always gets so much more but now that's all negotiated beforehand so you could lose and get more than your opponent 
Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, so what year was your last fight, the Spectrum? Let me see. Um, I've been retired now. We're time goes by. So I was I was done by like 2003. Okay. So, yeah. So oh, wow. Okay. I didn't that long yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. So you get done um, and you retire. Like, how did you get in? Did somebody come up to you and say, hey, Freddie would like you to do this side of it like how did you stay involved with boxing post-retirement it, exactly um i was actually it's a little bit of time had passed and uh, in the meantime my my uh, professional boxing trainer had, had passed away so i w- was at his viewing um and he you know he was a legendary uh boxer himself uh, what was his name again? uh wesley mozan wesley mozan yeah, so he was um he has a great stu- uh, great i'll just tell you about him real quick because <laughs> i think it's one of the one of the uh great stories uh, in those days, uh, the pros, they didn't make the money that they made today. Uh, so even the champions who were making uh, more money, actually, um, they would do what they called non-title fights. So they would be the champion of the world, but you would fight the champ, but the belt wasn't on the line. So uh, my trainer, Wesley Mosin, got the opportunity to uh, fight the champion of the world and uh, wound up knocking him out. But he was never the champion of the world because, unfortunately, it was in a non-title bout, which they had in those days. But <laughs> pretty neat. But he, oh, he, he had a great, uh, great story and went on to become one of, one of not just a, uh, one of the top boxers, uh, boxing coaches in Philadelphia uh, on a national level. And just uh, he really was uh, very well respected and a great person. I was uh, fortunate to not only have him train me, but have him um, in my life as kind of like a role model as well. That's great. Uh, but to get back to answering the question, um, so I was at his viewing, um, and a gentleman uh, by the name of John Gallagher, who actually was a co-promoter and actually did uh, two of my pro fights, uh, he had uh, called me to the side and he said, "Look, um, you know, if you're not going to be fighting anymore, you know, I, I know you still like the game. We'd love to get you involved." And he said, uh, "He at that time he had just recently got elected, um, actually to the to the position I currently have now. But he just got elected to the be the vice president of the Pennsylvania chapter of the Veteran Boxers Association." So he said, "Look, uh, you know." We'd love to have you on board. You know, come around. We'll sponsor you. Be a member, uh, and that's pretty much it. So I, I went to their following meeting, uh, became a member, um, started you know working my way up. Eventually, got on the board, and I, I recently just became the vice president myself now. Uh, and if you, what that is, the, the best way uh, we have a great clubhouse up in Port Richmond. Um, and people kind of don't, they don't even know what like is it a bar is it like a museum you know what is it uh, you know it's kind of a little bit of both the best way I always explain to people it's the equivalent of a VFW hall but for retired boxers so it's uh, okay. not only a place uh, we hang out we're an association we try to help fighters uh, you know who may be down and out look like I said it's a hard sport there's no pension plan you know mm-hmm. a lot of guys as much money as you can make as a boxer uh, they don't realize that you know it's a short career something can happen like me it could be over in one night mm-hmm. yeah. you know being young so um you know we're just there to help people a place for fighters to hang out uh reminisce about their you know their old days it's a neat uh uh, like i said it's kind of like a museum with a bar in the middle of it it's also like kind of a social hall (laughs) that's great yeah did you did you want to stay in the sport when you were done or were you kind of like looking at other you know ventures at that point like i said my my desire was still there just i knew that i wasn't going to be able to compete but uh like anything i know boxing is a team sport so i knew there was other avenues for me to go to be still be involved but i wasn't sure where it was do i become a trainer do i become a manager i wanted to be involved i just didn't know exactly kind of where i was going to fall in line but it, it, it would definitely been something so this was kind of perfect because i could stay involved and just do a lot of like administrative stuff we do like a lot of good things to help different fighters yeah, I feel like every time I see a picture of you with somebody, you know, you're with, I don't know who, well, Byron Maxwell, I think you were with last week, weren't you? Or who was the dude from this, the Eagles? He was sitting with uh, Byron Maxwell. He, he, not Byron know, Maxwell. He, 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 uh, yeah, one of the Eagles, he was sitting uh, ringside at the uh, Pro Fights, which I actually, uh, if you get a chance, go to phillybotsandhistory.com and uh, check out my article. I was actually the guest journalist for phillybotsandhistory.com. Oh, awesome. and I, oh, that's so that's why, that's why I was actually there covering the show. Oh, okay. cool. But it was a, uh, a good pro show. We had a, a, a kid from South Philly was the one who uh, now is um, 13-0 with 11 knockouts. Um, wow. Another fighter that I know, uh, Joey DeWaco, uh, on the verge of uh, possibly becoming a uh, you know, heavyweight contender. He's like right there. He scored another win. Uh, so it was a lot of like a uh, local town, but people that are just, you know, they're on the verge of going to that next level. Yeah. That's great. Um, so if you think about, I think we've had a lot of conversations about, you've seen a lot of great fights in person. If I can remember, I think you've seen 
Were you like Lewis Holyfield '99? I think. Yeah. Did you tell me you were there? Well, I was at um, I was at Tyson Holyfield one. I think we were talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah, well, which was the upset. I, I mean, I've been to. I, I kind of lost count about how many fights I've been to now over time, uh, you know, all across the country and even abroad. I've been to some fights. I've been to Prince Nassim Hamed's fight uh, when he defended his championship in uh, Manchester, England. I was in uh, Dusseldorf when uh, uh, Vladimir Klitschko defended his belt. So um, got to see a lot of fights all around the world, but I, I, I'll still say some of the best are right here in Philly, no matter where That's you awesome. go. And, you know, how big the arena is in Vegas, you know, nothing yeah. like the good old Blue Horizon. <laughs> awesome. would, would you say you have a favorite, uh, like, series of fights, whether it be, you know, the Tyson fights or, like, you know, the Mickey Ward, Gotti fights? Like, I, well, would you? you just uh, stole my fight. I don't even have to think about that. The Ward-Gotti trilogy, trilogy. out-question. Don't even have next qu- next question. I don't even <laughs> got to think about. It. It's not even there. negotiable. What was it about those that? Uh, well, have you have you seen the fights? <laughs> I have. I can't. Okay. Uh, that, that's. I mean, yeah. That's. If you see, you'll know. But just yeah. really, uh, some of the uh, best, especially the first one. It was just. Um, Two warriors uh, giving it all they had. It was kind of like the, uh, what's the saying? The uh, irremovable force meets the unmovable. I, I, it was just like two people. It was just back and forth. Uh, both fighters, a uh, ton of heart, uh, taking punches, giving punches. Every time he fought, it was over. The other one would come back, and it was just like yeah. a, a truly great night uh, for the sport of boxing. Do you, do you, um, so do you see boxing ever kind of getting back to back to that where there's so much kind of hype surrounding a fight? Um, I know we just we just had McGregor Mayweather in the summer, but do you see that happening in more like on a more consistent level? Like, I think it can. I mean, like anything, there's um, with. Uh, the UFC uh, taking place nowadays. I know a lot of it's. If you're a fighter nowadays, you kind of have two two places you could go. You could go to UFC or, or, or the yeah. boxing. Where before it was one choice. So yeah. you know you're definitely going to lose some uh, potential talent uh, because of that. Uh, a lot of younger kids that are that are going. But I mean, boxing's been around forever. It's never going to it's never going to die. Um, you know, a lot of it, it goes back to just making good fights. Um, having the best fight, the best. Um, I. I, I always feel one of the it was one of the best and worst things that happened with when Boston started being shown on pay per view. I said it best because you know the fighters got so much more money uh, and some of these guys you know worked so hard and are finally getting the some of the older fighters you know that gave everything never got this type of money. Yeah. So I thought that that was good. But the bad side to that is it becomes such more of a business and some people that are involved with the promotional parts they basically fought for television that everybody has to be undefeated. You know they wanted the guy for twenty five and you know sure. so what happens everybody's trying to get that big fight they're afraid to fight like the top contenders because they don't want to take a chance because yeah. they want to stay undefeated till they yeah. get to the um, you know that next level and get that big fight if you look at all the all-time fighters some of the great uh, middleweights here in Philadelphia Bobby Watts uh, Willie Monroe Cyclone Hart they all had losses and they were some of the best fighters in the world and the reason why because they were all fighting each other in their prime so yes somebody had to lose but you know they eventually became national level superstars you know so I think we have to go back more to that Um, the other thing too I think um, when Botson has kind of shifted totally to like uh, you know we take for granted but you know how many people don't have HBO don't have Showtime so when all the fights stopped being on free network TV he lost another whole base of people that would you know sit around on Saturday afternoon and like listen to how Carousel you know the, the sure. old time yeah. yeah so in recent it's starting to shift back you see that a lot more we have one of the best arguably one of the best fighters in the world Lemacheco is fighting this uh, Saturday night on uh, ESPN it's unheard of you know yeah. uh, but it's starting to come back you know it's still okay. cable TV but it's you know just regular basic uh, network um, there's been some um, in recent in the last couple of years um, there's been a couple like free again like Saturday afternoon shows uh, that have been coming on so I think that's the start to, uh, number one you, you, you reach out you broaden your base you bring a lot of the people you lost back people that might not have ever been in it but weren't going to they don't want to watch HBO or Showtime or definitely pay $50 for a pay-per-view but now it's on you know Whatever the uh, local channel is, yeah, they start to watch, and then you, you, you get them back on board. And like, again, it's making the good fights. If it's like anything, if you have a good product, it will sell. Instead of having guys avoid each other, have the best fight, the best. Whoever wins, wins. One and will lose, but ultimately the bots and fans will ultimately win. I I hope it gets back to that at some point. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the sport, and 
I, I, you know, looking back and seeing like, you know, documentaries and stuff like that on HBO about how there was so much, you know, hoopla, or you could say like around these big fights. And I thought it'd be pretty cool to kind of see that again. Yeah, I can Absolutely. remember just being young. My, my dad would have friends over or my parents would, you know, for, for Tyson fights and it'd be, you know, they'd be over in 10 minutes, but I still say the most ten, shocking... 10 seconds. <laughs> ten right, seconds. Right. Yeah. You, you talk about Tyson, Tyson in his early day. The, the most shocking, unbelievable sporting event I've ever watched still to this day, and I was 10 in nine, when Buster Douglas beat him in February of, of 90. That that was Tokyo. just unbelievable yeah. that, that, that that happened, that Buster Douglas beat Tyson. But, um, well, I mean, kind of with that, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and, uh, you know, I... I love Rocky. Slides in the Hall of Fame. I mean, is that is that okay with you? Is that is that like a is that like a slap in the face to you? Just be honest. <laughs> you know, there was definitely a lot of um, there was definitely a lot of uh, controversy to say the least okay. uh, when that happened. Um, like I said, um, especially being in the Hall of Fame, we talk about the statue, and that's where um, kind of there was a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily controversy, but there was talks uh, within the boxing circles. Yes, of course, we love Rocky. The great—I mean, it's a great, uh, uh, you know, story. There's probably not a boxer, no matter what city you're from, that hasn't went running, uh, you know, listening to the Rocky soundtrack yeah. because you yeah, get motivated. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think any local uh, boxer hasn't ran the art museum up the art museum steps. <laughs> you know, it's a great story. It's a, but again, at the end of the day, it's a fictional character. Mm-hmm. And we have so many uh, great, great fighters here in Philadelphia that our only statue was one of, like I said, a fictional character. Yeah. Uh, so um, a, a group of um, retired boxers, uh, such as myself, um, was kind of a combination uh, between three organizations, which was, as I previously mentioned, the Veteran Boxers Association, um, the Harrogate uh, Boxing Club, and the website, phillyboxinghistory.com. We all got a couple of our members put together a committee, and we basically said, you know what? We're getting a real statue. We're getting a re- we're getting a, a we're getting a real uh, boxing statue of a, of a you know a real life boxer here in Philadelphia. So uh, there was so many that we uh, could have done because uh, I mean the list goes um, on and on. So we we narrowed it down to about uh, four or five. You know, obviously. You're getting a statue, so you have to be to the upper echelon of boxing, you know, number one. And then you're getting the first one, so there's even more pressure. So, like I said, it was such a hard choice. Um, you know, obviously Joe Frazier, you know, uh, there's so many that we – but we narrowed it down to about, yeah, three, four, five, no more than five, I remember that. Um, but of all the, the boxers that were on the list, only one of them was alive at the time. That we felt that you know met this criteria to to you know to to be the first one and was in kind of that legendary Philadelphia status. So it wasn't that we really necessarily maybe picked one more. No, we thought what a neat ideal that um, you know everybody does these statues when uh, you know the person's gone. It's great the family comes, but wouldn't it be cool that we could actually unveil the statue and he you know the, the he'd person be there, he'd yeah. be there. So um, what we did is um, we selected Joey Giardello. Um, Unbelievable, legendary uh, middleweight champion of the world, out of actually right here in South Philly. Uh, well, technically he was born in Brooklyn, but he, he moved here at a very very young age. His entire uh, boxing career was out of here, so he was uh, without question South Philly's uh, adopted son. Uh, but you know, but then went on to become the uh, you know middleweight champion of the world, and just kind of a, a legend in a time when the uh, you know there was like one weight class, there was one champion. You know, he was he was he was the guy. So uh, anyway, we got uh, started with that uh, a plan. Um, it was a big endeavor, you know. There was a lot, a lot of money to be raised to get the statue. Uh, some, so much of the kind of bureaucracy that we had to go through with the city of Philadelphia to just, you know, put a statue up and uh, going in front of the Philadelphia Art Commission and you know things and uh, things. Uh, so. The sad part of the story is by the time we actually got the statue done, Joey had passed. Uh, so we never actually got to um, fulfill that part of it. We did have some comfort in the fact that at least 
he was aware of it. He knew that he was yeah. getting a statue. Um, he had actually, and he even got to the point, the artist, um, who was, uh, Carl Lovach, uh, you know, would show him, um, you know, like different, like little bronze versions. So he, um, cool. unfortunately he wasn't there, uh, to actually see the statue unveiled today, but you know, we got some comfort. We kind of, in, in, in a little sense, got that mission accomplished where it, you know, it was a bots that, it, you know, he knew he was getting and he yeah. was alive. So if anybody hasn't seen the statue, it's right at, uh, the, uh, triangle, uh, Pashunk, uh, Mifflin and 13th, uh, here in South Philly. And, um, that is, um, oh. it's, have you, you walk by it? I feel like I have. Yeah, okay. I feel like I have. Okay. Okay. I have to, I have to you, go look for you it. You know, now. it's funny. I, I from time to time I do different uh, uh, talks on it uh, from from and just explain to people who it is because one of the things I know everybody walks by there and so many people are like oh the boxing statue the boxing you know yeah. but they never know like you know what boxer it is even though it's obviously if you stop and look everything's you know clear but it's a it's a it's a pretty neat statue and it was the first statue of a real boxer uh, in Philadelphia we recently got the second one. Uh, Although we weren't uh, uh, Vibra saying it, but uh, there was another uh, group that did it, and they did a great job and followed it. So now we actually have two. Uh, so they have the Joe Frazier statue now outside of Xfinity Live. So, oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that is there. Yeah, so, um, you know, like I said, so that we, we, we went from, uh, you know, a fictional character to now we have two real statues, and who's next? We got plenty more uh, yeah. plenty more uh, uh, people we could honor in, in Philadelphia Boston. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's so great. It's great to hear that. Um, so, I mean, I guess the last thing I had on my list was, you know, marathons. I think you had a year, a couple of years ago where you did, you went to Japan, I think, and you went. Yeah, I would, let me say that. What I would have been, um, it was 16. Yeah, I did four marathons. Yeah, four, four marathons in the course of the year. It started off uh, Tokyo, Japan, uh, Big Sur, uh, Chicago, and New York. So it was a, it was a busy year. That, that does sound like a busy. So, how do you? I mean, a, approaching marathon training is it the same way? You know, you prepare for a fight. I mean, did it make it easier going through that to to you start know, running? And absolutely, it's a it's a it's a kind of a, a funny story how I got start my uh, first ever marathon. And the only reason I was actually I was I was boxing and um, I was, got a, a bad injury. Um, doctor said, "Don't worry, we're going to get you better. You'll be back." But unfortunately, you're you're out for a year. So I was just like panicking. I mean, I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, I'm going to get. You know, I mean, I was. It was a good time. I was like, it was just, it was the worst time for it to happen. I had a number of good successful bouts, and then I'm like, "Oh my God!" You know, what am I going to do? And this goes to show you how naive I was at the time and how little I know about running. I said, "I got a whole year off." You know, I'm, I'm going to go run the Boston Marathon, <laughs> and I didn't even really know what it what it was, but I knew that the Boston Marathon was big. Mm-hmm. So, like, but to show you how naive, I didn't know you had actually had to qualify for it. I thought I could just like go show up and like do it. So I came a long way with running. Um, but anyway, so that that's actually how I. Um, was actually my first marathon. I had a whole year off. And uh, like I said, so I started doing research and bought some Runner's World magazines and uh, realized, oh, you just can't show up to actually have to qualify. So I started (laughs) uh, marathon training. Um, I I knew that Chicago was a good race to Mm -hmm. do it. A lot of people would recommend that from what I read. you know, at that time, I my whole running was just running through boxing, so I always ran by myself. I was not in a running club, uh, you know, or anything like that. So I'm just kind of get Runners World magazine. So they say, all right, Chicago, all right, Chicago's a good town. All right, uh, I'll do the Chicago Marathon. Um, you know, and so did that trained and actually qualified for Boston in my first marathon. Wow, that's um, awesome. And I trained about like six months for that, um, and then. Boston was like five months later or so, and um, ran into Boston. By that time, like a whole year passed, uh, so it was just like, oh, I was clear to go back to boxing, and I, I didn't run another marathon for years and years because really? I, I wasn't, you know, it was just yeah. something I did during, during that time. <laughs> yeah. So my first two were just, I'm not going to say by accident, but it was just kind of, you know, I, you know, I had I needed something to do to stay in shape, and so when I went back to boxing, I wasn't like starting with like a whole year of your body not doing anything. You did did marathons. How many marathons have you done total? If you can remember, you know what I can't at this point. That's yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one away now. Um, I only have London left, and I'll actually be in the World Majors. So I have all the World Majors done. Once I uh, hopefully um, my big one for this year, I'm already in uh, Copenhagen, so I'm heading, oh, to, heading heading to Denmark in uh, May, uh, and if all goes according to plan, I'll do London in 2019, and that'll be my very last one, and I'll have all the World Majors done. That's, That's incredible. Good. Have you done Berlin? 
I have. Oh, that's incredible. Yep. That's awesome. Two, what are all the 2000, 2015 uh, was Berlin, which, by the way, uh, happens to be the same time as Oktoberfest. So oh. what, 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 once the marathon's over, there's plenty of celebrating. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I actually went over, a number of the uh, Fishtown beer runners uh, went over. And we literally did the Berlin Marathon, and then we, we were like on a plane that night and celebrated the marathon in Munich that night. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, a great story. But to answer the question, there's, of, of all the, the marathons in, in the world, there's only six that they have a world major status. Uh, three in the U.S., which is um, obviously Boston. Boston, Chicago, New York. Abroad is Tokyo, Berlin, and London. So I have, okay. the, I have the five done, uh, just London left. Nice. So Berlin finish line isn't under the gate? Yeah, we, we go right by it. Yeah, okay. It's a really, it's a really neat race, and uh, you know, it's Oktoberfest, so they, there's uh, crowd enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of drinking beers and singing some yeah. good songs, and just you know, a happy mood, and just cheering the runners on, and yeah, that's so it's great. pretty, pretty good. Well, that's great. Well, that was my list, man. What well, else you got? So, well, before before you go. Um, do you have is there any guys like we should you know look out for any up, up and coming you know guys from Philly that are gonna you think that are gonna make that next step well it, shorthand we literally could technically happen Saturday night so um, okay. um, tune on uh, HBO if you have it uh, a guy by the name of Tevin, Tevin Farmer is uh, actually fighting for the championship of the world he's from Philly um, he was actually just down at the Sugar House um, uh, just greeting our fans and everything then the same night that I had wrote the story uh, last week but yeah so I mean, he could be the uh, after Saturday night we could have, he could be the champion of the world uh, a couple guys that were on that show like I mentioned uh uh, Christian Cardo, kid out of South Philly, 13, he's only 20 years old, 13 and 0, 11 knockouts. Uh, Joey Dueco, uh, who's a heavyweight, who fought the main event that night. Um, he's he's actually a. Um, we talk about how you can get better with spar, and he actually got hired by uh, Vladimir Kuchko, uh, and okay. they they, they fro- yeah they throw him over to. Um, well, I forget what it was in Germany, but it was one of the Europeans. But literally, like hired him as a sparring partner. So obviously, uh, advanced his career as well. And now he's on the verge of making himself. He's uh, got 19 wins now, professional wins. He's you know one away, and you know 20 wins, and then, you know you start really getting noticed. He won a minor belt that night, which I would think should put him in probably the top 15. You know, bare minimum 20, but maybe the top 15 in the world now. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. That's great. He's also um, he still resides in Philly, but he's uh, now actually being trained by the world-renowned uh, Freddie Roach. Uh, so he has his training camp out of his gym in Hollywood, California. That's so, where Freddie Roach is, really. Yeah, wow. in Hollywood. Yeah. That's so wow. uh, you know, like I said, he's still you know Philly uh, boxer, but you know six whatever it is camp is. Bang, his uh, management team, uh, Rocco's Collision. It's uh, here in Philly. They you know fly him out there get him in training camp he's you know focused uh, you know it's hard it's um but you know like i said it's, it's it seems like it's paying off for him so keep an eye on him awesome. okay well that's awesome. awesome what else man anything then that's, that's it. it anything you want to want to plug or i mean i don't know the 40 people that are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no nah, nah, just uh thanks for having that's me i hope uh, you know anybody that was listening hope they um you know enjoyed it and um you know if there's anything in future just feel free to uh, reach out to me i'm always uh you know around awesome yeah thanks so, so much yeah, Freddie. it's been an absolute pleasure man uh, it's been an honor thanks th- for sharing th- thanks that. guys thanks you so bet. much Fred. Thank, well, thanks, uh, we'll see you th- out there thanks for having me you bet